Hello, and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast, a discussion of God's extraordinary works through his ordinary ways. My name is Winston Weber, and I've got Pastor Mike with me. How's it going, Pastor Mike? Doing pretty well today, Winston, um, by the grace of God, as always. That's good. You know, people think that I uh, just pre-record the intros and outros to this, but these are genuine. These I promise. are fresh. Every time, they're new, they're new and different. I promise. These are fresh and like the one that we just did that we said we're not going to use. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, exactly. And they don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> All right, Mike. So I got a, a fun topic can be considered fun, can be considered some... Uh, Controversial? Yeah, some doctrinal distress, let's say. Doctrinal uh, distress. We today are going to talk about having doctrinal differences inside the local church. So, obviously... Like, that we want to have them? Like, we want to plan oh, to I have do. them? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> obviously, we don't even need to plan to have them, because they're just going to happen. And here's the thing. All throughout the church universal... There are going to be differences of opinion. There's going to be all these different practices because we're all different, and things are going to be different no matter what. Mm -hmm. But even within a local church, we're going to see a staggering difference between the different people who make up the body of Christ. Talking about that because we've been looking at Romans, and we've been talking about differences of conscience and things like that, but here's my goal. I want to see a delineation between something that we would consider a doctrinal difference and something that we would say is a conscience difference. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense because I've been preaching through Romans 14. And as we're preaching through Romans, you get to Romans 14 where it says, uh, don't cause your brother to stumble. Don't judge your brother. And it's all about matters of conscience. And it's all about things the Bible doesn't say, don't do this or you must do this. The Bible doesn't stipulate. The Bible doesn't command. The Bible doesn't forbid. These are things that are matters of conscience, and some people have a more tender conscience. Some people have a freer conscience, and Christians get to choose. Right, and we talked about that last week with Halloween, right? Mm -hmm. Like, these are things of conscience, and they're not necessarily explicitly stated in Scripture, and so we we do want to think through them. We want to be honoring to God through them, but Mm -hmm. that's that's an issue of conscience, right? So what would would you say is another example of a clear conscience-driven decision in life? Let's say schooling options, whether you send your kids to public school or you do private school or you homeschool. Yeah. Something like that. Just love Jesus and do whatever you want there. Yeah. But what would you say is something that's a doctrinal difference? I mean, Mm -hmm. is there somewhat of a spectrum going into that of like, these are really serious issues and, you know, this is a doctrinal issue, but it's it's not a big deal? I like the way you said that. Doctrines have different weights. They don't have equal weights. And so some doctrines, we live or die by them, like the deity of Christ, the substitutionary atonement, the virgin birth, the bodily resurrection, uh, the actual physical return of Christ. All those type things, those are things that Christians would die together for, okay? The gospel. It's almost like we had an entire episode on hills we're willing to die on. That's right. But but for example, we're not going to uh, make as big a deal, let's say, with something like baptism. Okay. Okay, so... Doctrinal differences in the church are not the same as issues of conscience. Sometimes people want to make them that. They'll say, well, we don't see eye to eye on this biblical teaching. Well, you know, we to our own master we stand or fall. Well, that's a misapplication of Romans 14. Romans 14, again, is about where the Bible doesn't stipulate, the Bible doesn't command it, the Bible doesn't forbid a certain choice. But there are very clear teachings in Scripture that Christians have lots of different opinions about, and someone's wrong. Mm. So 
let's say on an issue, you, you brought up baptism, right? Mm-hmm. So on an issue like baptism, we're going to say that there are a lot of different ways to baptize, right? Sure. A lot of, through history, some people sprinkle, some people immerse, uh, some people sprinkle babies, some people only baptize believers. So you have to deal with what is the meaning of baptism and then the different modes of baptism, right? And so, for example, the Bible clearly teaches one idea with baptism, and it is believers' baptism by immersion. That's what the Bible clearly teaches. Those, let's say, that hold to infant baptism, they'll say, well, the Bible doesn't prohibit it, therefore we are free to practice it. They go off of Scripture's silence. We're going to say we're going to go off of Scripture's clear teaching. And so I would say that someone who believes in infant baptism uh, doesn't have a lot of scriptural warrant. In fact, they'll even say that. We don't see it in the Bible. It isn't taught in the Bible. But again, it's not prohibited, so let's go ahead and do it. And so this gets a little sticky because a lot of Christians have different views on these things. Uh, Some of our listeners, you may have come from a tradition that does infant baptism. We are not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. We're not trying to— Literally, yeah. Right. We're not (laughs) trying to say, look, you know, that denomination or that group you're part of, wow, they're so bad. We're not saying that. But we are saying— Let's look at the Bible and see what does it teach because we want to practice what it teaches. And it's very clear that in the Bible, believers' baptism by immersion is what is taught. So this is an interesting thing to me because on the one hand, we're saying these people can be brothers and sisters in Christ who have the same Bible that we have. They have the same spirit indwelling them. And yet, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying they're wrong about baptism. Well, for example, I haven't run across a lot of believers who just— out of the blue, will say, this is the doctrine I figured out. Usually it's, this is the doctrine I was taught in the tradition I was brought up in. So maybe you're Presbyterian or Lutheran or Methodist or Baptist or Free Church, Grace Brethren, whatever group you get brought up in. For example, Grace Brethren does a triune immersion, right? So they dip three times by immersion, once in the name of the Father, once in the name of the Son, once in the name of the Holy Spirit. Now, the majority of Christendom doesn't practice that, okay? But there are groups that sprinkle three times in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are groups that sprinkle once. There are many, many groups, most Baptist groups, let's say, will baptize by immersion with one dunk. And that's what I was brought up under. And then coming to Grace Church of Orange in 2006, I began practicing what we do here, which is triune immersion. So something like that But something like that, for example, we don't make you be triune immersed to become a member. If you've been baptized by immersion as a believer, whether it's once or three times, we welcome you into fellowship with us. But that's a doctrinal difference that, you know, we're not going to make the biggest deal about. That This is not something that's essential for salvation. Mm -hmm. So then that's kind of the, the lower end of the spectrum where it's like, you know, there's doctrinal difference. We clearly think that Scripture teaches one thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But we can talk through those issues. We can go through them and have these doctrinal differences. And can we even be a part of the same church, though? I believe so. I think that that's part of our unity in Christ. And this is what Paul has been hammering, you know, big time in Romans uh, in chapters 12, 13, 14. And now as we're in chapter 15, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Jesus uh, accepts us into his family. We're to accept people that we are not like into the family. And again, we don't have to all think the same thing. There are certain things we all need to believe. And for example, we have a doctrinal statement. If you're going to join the church, you need to agree with our doctrinal statement. 
That doesn't mean you can't keep attending here. It just means if you don't agree with it, you're not going to become a member. So there are there are things that are you know that we hold kind of lightly, and some things we hold tightly, right? Uh, some of the non-essential things we hold more lightly. The essential things, all of us hold tightly together. Uh, there are hermeneutical concerns here, where we need to handle the scriptures accurately, and we believe that there is one interpretation, many applications. But that Protestant biblical interpretation, one of the hallmarks, one of the foundational points is that God meant one thing, not 50 things when he said something. Every time he said something about something, he meant something specific. And so we have to work really hard to understand authorial intent. What does this verse mean? And so when we look at baptism, let's say, what does the Bible teach about it? That's where we say it teaches believers baptism by immersion. Now, if you believe that you can go from scripture silence, God bless you. And there are plenty of friends we have that believe that as well. And we're not going to make a big deal about it. Yeah. So then moving to something that we might make a bigger deal about, let's say, talk to me about something like women elders, right? That's a pretty dicey subject and can be pretty divisive. And yet it's a it's a doctrinal issue or is am I wrong? Is that more of a conscience issue? That is clearly a doctrinal issue. You can't get around the fact that men are to be elders. Biblically speaking, you'd have to twist the teaching of the Bible to come up with women elders. But for example, let's go back to baptism for a moment. Our teaching position and to become a member, you need to be baptized as a believer by immersion. And so we're not budging on that. We're saying we understand that Christians have different views on this. Just like there are some churches that have women elders and they've had women elders for years. They're not in our fellowship. They're not in our, in our group of churches. And so we don't have to worry so much about having unity with them. And they need to answer to God for their, for their beliefs. So women elders, modes of baptism, those things are important. Again, they're not essential for salvation. But the Bible does teach something specific about those topics. We want to lean into holding firmly to what the Bible teaches about those topics. So then help me to understand why we would hold tighter to something like, you know, male-only eldership in a church as opposed to baptism. Is there is there kind of a rule of thumb to understand the differences between those two? And, I mean, what hill I should fight harder on? Not necessarily die on, but fight harder for? I see what you're saying. I would say this. I don't think we're holding either one of them more lightly or more tightly. What I would say is this. We hold them both equally tight. They are not essential for salvation, but we do firmly believe the Bible teaches both of the things that we practice. Uh, believers' baptism by immersion and male-only elders. What we do is we don't come up with truth. We don't come up with the facts. We discover them in the Bible, sure. right? And so when, when the Scripture speaks, God speaks. And we want to be clear. The Bible is clear about what it says. We don't want to twist it in any way. Now, there are people at our church that would probably say, hey, we'd be okay with women elders, or we'd be okay if we sprinkled babies, but we're not going to do that because as a leadership team, we firmly believe the Bible teaches otherwise. Hmm. So help me as an ordinary churchgoer then. Let's just say that I am the type of person who says, you know, baptism is immersion only, like that is the only way. But, mm -hmm. you know, I got a friend over here who believes that sprinkling is the proper mode. In fact, it is the sprinkling of babies who are in a believing family who are supposed to be that way. How, how do I interact with them on an issue like that? That, I mean, it's a doctrinal difference. We go to a church that holds my view, but they don't hold that view. 
What am I supposed to do about that? I would say you're not supposed to try to set them straight or debate them about it or anything like that. I think what you do is you love them as your brother and sister in Christ. There are people at Grace Orange that hold those views. We say we love you and we embrace you as our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not trying to change your mind. If you see our view at some point, you go, wow, this is what most Christians believe. Great. But otherwise, just, you know, hold your convictions and on doctrinal issues, there are plenty of things that we agree to disagree, okay? So there's plenty of things that a leadership team needs to all agree on and people in a church all need to agree on, like the authority of Scripture, like the fact that the Bible is inerrant and inspired and infallible, the fact that it is uh, sufficient, all of those things. We would say, yes, yes, yes. Now, there are people that hold different views on what the Bible teaches about things. God's big enough to work it all out. We can be in unity in a local church And I think we stretch each other in that regard, and we encourage one another in that regard. We don't need to go around debating it. We don't need to go around changing everyone's mind. We might have a position paper on our position. It's because we believe that. And I think that most people respect sincere convictions. And I think that we should do that with one another. If someone has a sincere conviction about something, we need to respect that. Yeah, and you just said it, right? It is a sincere conviction. That doesn't mean just an emotional, I hold really tight to this, right? You're, you're talking right. about something that I believe because I believe the Bible says this. You believe the Bible says it. Yeah. And now here's the thing. You or I could be wrong on that because we're not God, right? We don't always understand God's word. Um, we're teaching men of the word on Friday mornings. We're teaching systematic theology. And one of the things I said recently as I taught is that we're going to go deeper into the quagmire of frail and fallible human handling of the Word of God, and that we know we are not perfect in our handling of the Word of God. That's why we look at what the church has historically believed. We look at what, down through the ages, Christians have believed, right? And you see creeds, and you see doctrinal statements, and you see even councils where they said, this is what the Bible teaches about the deity of Christ. This is what the Bible teaches about the nature of Christ and the nature of Scripture. And this is what the Bible teaches about things of salvation importance. And that's what we're most concerned about, the doctrines that are the biggest doctrines, again, that we would live or die for. No, I think that's really helpful. And part of why I think it's important to talk about this is because some people can get so tied to their own belief that it becomes kind of this, if you're not right on this issue, we can't talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not right, right? Right. Now, there's a silly example I use sometimes. It's not the best illustration in the world, but I like to say that your beliefs are like rocks that you carry around in a bucket. And so you come into a group of Christians and you're carrying your bucket of rocks. Well, some people are so tied into their views, they'll take rocks out and start throwing them at other people, (laughs) right? And other people will say, I will never, ever trade any of these in. These are mine forever. But I think what we need to do is as we hear the word, as we hear the word being preached, as we study the word, and as we study the word with other believers, there might be times when we change our views to more align with what is accurate with what the Bible teaches. Yeah. No, I think that's wonderful because we can understand the word and we should understand it fully. Absolutely. The Bible is clear and the Bible doesn't contradict itself. We contradict ourselves, and we are not always clear. But we are, as 2 Timothy 2.15 says, 
to do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And that idea of rightly handling the word is literally cutting a straight furrow when you're plowing a field or cutting a straight road. Literally keeping it according to what is intended. So to sum up what we've been talking about, we need to hold our convictions. We need to hold them from a biblical perspective. And on these things where we have differences of opinion, they may be differences of opinion, but we hold to them because they are Scripture. Absolutely. And that differs from something like the issues of conscience because these things are explicitly taught about Scripture, and we ought to wrestle with them. Is that correct? I would say that's correct. Matters of conscience are things that are somewhat in flux, okay? At one point in your life, you might think it's not okay for you to do a certain thing, and other times you would say, it is okay for me to do that. Now, nothing to do with sin. If you're sinning, stop that and repent. But if you just have freedom to make a choice in your life, you're going to make different choices, and you're going to have different convictions about matters of conscience, where the Bible doesn't say you have to do this or you can't do this. But where the Bible teaches us something, where it's doctrine, that's where it behooves us to truly study the Word and be accurate with it and be precise about it because the, the Bible is accurate and it is precise. Hmm. And it changes us. The Word of God changes those who believe. The Word of God, as 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, is at work in us who believe. So we want to stick to the Word of God and basically know what it says and what it means. And we need to work hard at that. Yeah, we need to constantly be growing in Christ. And that's what that means. Amen. Yeah. Well, this was really great. I, I really appreciated this. And, you know, if you're wrestling with some of these issues, listener, just be encouraged that we are all in progress. We are all trying to figure these things out together. None of us believe, or none of us should believe, that we have arrived, right? Mm-hmm. Mike and I are not saying we have all the answers for right. me. I'm right. certainly not. M- Mike might be saying No, that. no. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we want to encourage you that these are good things to wrestle through. So if you want to wrestle through those with us, keep listening and also uh, send us an email. We love getting those emails. Send them to ordinarychurch at gmail.com. And we hope you'll join us next Thursday as we remain faithful even in the ordinary.